This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because I'm forever doing things that I don't want to do and feeling things that I don't want to feel. But this side of heaven, we will never be entirely unburdened. But they're really trying to help and they always make it worse. Dear young married couple, do you have thoughts constantly that you really don't want to have or feelings that you don't want to have? Um, This happens to all of us. And today we're going to be talking about how to move toward your pain Um, and find healing. It's a little counterintuitive because we want to run away from pain, really. But today we're going to talk about how to move toward it. Yeah, and we get to interview Jenna Reimersma. She is the author of a book called All Together You. It's an internal family systems model that we have used with our clients and have um, recommended this book for the last couple years to our clients. And we know that you will get a lot out of this episode. A little bit about Jenna. She has a master's degree in public policy from Harvard, a master's degree in professional counseling from Richmond. She's IFS certified level three. Um, She's sex addiction therapist certified. She's an EMDR therapist, uh, supervisor. I mean, she has so many certifications has done a lot of study, but most importantly, you're going to see her heart shine through in this episode. She has a heart for people who are hurting and people who are burdened by sin, trauma, and who want to find freedom. Yes. So before we get into the episode, we just want to make you aware that um, September 16th, which is only a few days from now, we're going to be doing an um, a monthly live date night where a whole bunch of couples from all over the world get together and we talk about a subject. This Friday, we're going to be talking about high drive, the the drive differences. So mm-hmm. high drive, low drive, um, almost always within a, in a, inside of a relationship, there is someone who wants sex more than the other person or a different amount of sex mm-hmm. uh, or frequency. And we're going to be talking about how to solve that in a way that both partners can be um, satisfied and, uh, and find that, um, Agreement. <laughs> and we have um, worksheets for you. We have conversation starters and tools for you that all come with that date night. It's just 10 bucks. You can find the link in the show notes. And even if you can't join us live, you can come uh, after the fact and watch the replay at a time that works for the two of you. So that's this Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific, September 16th, high drive, low drive. And we hope to see you there. It's going to be awesome. Welcome, Jenna Reemers, to the podcast. We're so thankful that you've chosen to join us today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you, Adam and Carissa. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Yeah, we're looking forward to what this conversation holds. And I think 
Um, if folks, if you stick around to the end, you're going to find a lot of healing potential to come from here on out. So you're in for a treat. Absolutely. Um, I read your book and, um, it's excellent. And I've given it as an assignment to a lot of people to help them understand, uh, their internal world and why they keep doing the things that they don't want to do. Yes. And I think that's the direction that we want to take this conversation. Yes. So Jenna, when people come to you, you're a therapist, you're a licensed professional counselor. And um, when people come to you and they say, you know, I don't know what's going on inside of me. I am, you know, I have like shifting emotions or I, I am just at war within myself or I feel so burdened. What are some of the examples that you hear from people of, you know, what are those burdens that people might bring to you um, before you guys dive into solutions? Yeah, well, I can even start with my own um, parts of me that are at war because I'm forever doing things that I don't want to do and feeling things that I don't want to feel. And the reality is that is part of being human. And it's because we have different parts at war within ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have one part of me that wants to eat all the Oreos and another part of me that wants to go to the gym. And those two parts are at war with each other. Um, <laughs> but more maybe on a on a more serious note, um, I have lots of clients who come and see me who has have one part of themselves that acts out with pornography um, yeah. and another part that really loves their spouse and is committed to their faith and feels horrible about it. And they're mm-hmm. coming to see me because these two parts are at war within themselves. And it turns out that the warring of our inner parts is what creates pretty much all of our suffering. Yeah, Mm. yep. So I love that you've already dove into parts language is what we call it. Um, Help us understand when you're explaining parts, um, sometimes there's a backlash to like, wait, hold on. What are you talking about with parts of me want to do that? Like there's a pornography part. Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, there, this is sort of based in a relatively new model of understanding human behavior called internal family systems therapy or IFS for short. And it basically just means that we're not just one monolithic person. Mm-hmm. But we are all people with many different parts that that's pretty normal. And so it makes sense that we are one human with many different parts. And in fact, we see this fleshed out on the pages of scripture in many different situations. Paul famously says, and I think kind of hilariously says, oh, why do I do these things I don't want to do? Like one <laughs> one of my members wants to eat all the Oreos and another one wants me to go to the gym. Okay, Paul never said that, but, um, <laughs> and oh, what a wretched man am I? And James says, hey, people, what is it that is causing all this conflict and worrying among you, all these relational problems and fighting? Mm-hmm. Is it not your mm-hmm. desires, your parts at war within you? Mm-hmm. So it seems that first the language seems a little bit different, but once we really start to unpack um, this understanding, it lines up beautifully with the Christian faith. Yeah, it really does. I think it it really does, but it also really does make sense of our own experience of life because Mm -hmm. I could think of so many 
so many areas of my life that you know I want to read this book, but I really don't want to read this book. I want to heal from this, but I really don't want to go through that process. Like very rarely do I have this complete, um, unscattered uh, will to do anything. Mm -hmm. It's normally there's there's a war inside that I'm fighting, and sometimes the part of me that I want to win wins, and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And the beautiful thing about this IFS model is that it is um, a very non-pathological way of seeing ourselves. In fact, it mm. really resonates with the way I've always been told that God sees me, that mm. God sees us. And what it tells us, and it was discovered, it wasn't developed, it was discovered by a man named Dr. Richard Schwartz, who was interviewing his clients and he kept hearing his clients describing having parts at war, um, working with clients who had eating disorders. One part of them wanted to restrict food and the other one parted other part of the client wanted to binge. Mm -hmm. And those two parts were at war. And it literally the result of that war would result in the clients living or dying. It was very profoundly serious. And he does, he resisted this at first, and then he began to realize this was consistent with all of his clients and, in fact, with himself. Mm-hmm. And he discovered that it's pretty normal. We all have parts. But not only that, when those parts feel heard and honored and respected for what mm-hmm. they're trying to do, they calm down and they stop taking us over so much. And the magic in this model is that he discovered that when that happened every single time what emerged um, within every single client without any effort was what he called the self because mm-hmm. when he asked his clients well what part of you is that they would say well it's not a part of me it's it's just myself just it's who yeah. i am mm-hmm. and it is a part that is undamaged inherently positive and contains what he called the eight C qualities, things like calm, clear-minded, compassionate, connected, curious, creative, Mm -hmm. courageous. Um, Well, we know that in Christianity to be the God image within us, the Mm -hmm. the very image of the divine that we are told every human being is created with. And sure enough, he wasn't looking for it, but there Mm -hmm. it was. And the beauty of that is that it is not something that we effort into, it's something that's always within us and we actually surrender into it when mm-hmm. all the different parts of us feel safe but we don't always have access to it kind of like the clouds cover the sun the sun is always there but we can't always see it because the clouds cover it mm-hmm. and that's kind of how our parts act when our parts take us over um, they obscure our experience of that calm, clear-minded, compassionate essence within us, and we Mm -hmm. no longer feel that way because we've been taken over by a triggered part of ourselves. And the great news is that God image never goes away. It's Mm -hmm. always within us 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And maybe even better news, it's always inside of our spouse too. (laughs) Even (laughs) when we are in some hardcore conflict, it's in there even if we uh, we really are not interacting with it in the moment. Um, so it's a really fundamentally positive, um, non-judgmental, non-pathological view of mm-hmm. us as human beings that really lines up with 
what I have always been taught is how God sees me, that there is yeah. an image of God. There is this divine essence within all of us. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. And we're big fans of IFS and specifically your approach to doing IFS within um, the counseling setting and even in our own relationship. One big challenge that we hear um, and we've discussed ourselves um, that, you know, like from a theological perspective is the idea that we're born into sin and shaped in iniquity. And, you know, that so when when from a humanistic perspective, people say like, well, we're inherently good. You know, and, and I hear you saying that's the God image in us that is yes. inherently good. Um, yes. But how do you rectify that with the, you know, the idea that we are born into sin, that we are, you know, sinful in our nature? Yeah, it's a great question. And I unpack it in a lot of detail, the theology and the hermeneutics of that question, because I think we do need to understand that or we really can't you know, drop into this compassionate way of viewing ourselves. And what I would, um, what I explain in the book, and I'll give a very high level of that here, is that the God image inside of us cannot definitionally be damaged or tarnished because it is the very image of the divine. So it Mm -hmm. is not consistent for the image of God to be within me and for that to be damaged. But we all have many different parts and if you look at uh, pre-fall if if you if it you know if you will mm-hmm. uh, the way we were designed to be is that we have this god image leading us and we have these many different parts of ourselves that lead that um comprise our unique personalities mm-hmm. so i'm a one on the enneagram i have a really organized part um, my husband is uh, ADHD as the day is long. He does not have an organized part, but he does have a sales part. He loves to sell stuff. He does that for a living. Uh-huh. If I had to sell stuff, we would be homeless. I do not have a sales part. So we all have this unique personality and all of these parts of us were created to be unburdened. Uh-huh. They bring wonderful, unique things to our uh-huh. inner worlds. They make us a unique creation. Mm. So that's all well and good pre-fall. Yeah. But what happens in the fall is that it is as if, uh, if you want to visualize our parts almost as little, you know, a, a little person, let's say one of, let's say my organized part is a little person or maybe a playful part. It's as if what happens is like a blanket is thrown over the top of it. Mm. And it isn't that my playful part has gone anywhere it's still there it still holds this inherently positive quality of playfulness but it's been it's been trapped now under this blanket or what we call in ifs a burden Mm -hmm. uh, that results from things not being the way that they should be that's Mm -hmm. the definition of sin Mm -hmm. and um, in in clinical language we call that trauma meaning bad stuff happens to us Mm -hmm. um, or good stuff doesn't happen to us that we needed attunement, attachment, safety, love. Mm -hmm. And our parts become burdened with the burden of sin. And when that happens, they lose access to their inherently positive qualities. They are, Mm -hmm. it's still there, but it's like under this blanket, metaphorically Mm -hmm. speaking. And healing involves getting those parts to connect to the God image in a secure inner attachment relationship and allowing the God image to be with 
those hurting parts of us. And that's so beautiful because that's really the name of God, Emmanuel, God with us, all parts of us, especially the parts inside of us. And unburdening those parts or taking the blanket off, if you will, the blanket of trauma. And they are restored then to the essence of who they truly are. And that we talk about all the time, this encounter with the divine, it literally changes our essence. We no longer feel shame is our identity. It is now restored back to playfulness. Mm -hmm. And that is transformational and it it is consistent across scripture, but this side of heaven, we will never be entirely unburdened. We will always have parts that carry this burden of sin. And we are born into that because we are born into this legacy of, quote, sin, or what I would say, trauma. Mm -hmm. And we have burdened parts. And the longer we live, the more our parts become burdened because stuff happens in the world. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And those burdened parts get triggered and take us over. And we feel like we are those parts. We have our vulnerable parts in the model are called exiles. They carry the things like shame, fear, powerlessness, um, you know, sense that my feelings and needs don't matter, I'm broken, something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And then we have other parts that take on burdens to try to protect us from the feelings of our exiles. We have proactive protectors that we call those managers. They try to manage our lives so we never feel the pain of the exiles. Mm-hmm. And that's stuff like controlling, people-pleasing, perfectionism, spiritualizing is a big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and our inner critic is a proactive manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when that doesn't work and we do get flooded with shame or hopelessness or powerlessness or fear, um, then our firefighters jump in and their job is to put out the fire of the exile feelings And those are all the things that come into my office. And those are things like all the addictions, (laughs) self-harm, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, dissociating, binge eating, all the things that jump in after we feel the pain to try to put out the fire. Mm -hmm. And what's transformational about this way of understanding how we work is that this idea that all parts of us are good underneath the blanket of the, the stuff they've gotten stuck with, the feelings or the behaviors, is a fundamentally positive part that's trying to help us not feel pain. Mm-hmm. But the blanket that's over the top of them, the burden that they're carrying, the sin is the problem, yeah. not the part. Mm-hmm. So the part that is, let's say, designed to connect intimately with, with the spouse um may have gotten stuck under a blanket of viewing pornography compulsively and has lost access to that ability to show up wholeheartedly and connect an intimate relationship with their beloved not because it isn't there but because it's gotten stuck under this trauma burden and it's not because the person's a bad person but certainly the behavior is not great we don't we don't want that we want to help it um but what we tend to do in most of our life is to move against that part, try to kick it out, you know, pathologize it, diagnose it, all the things. And that tends to make it worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we cannot and we don't want to get rid of any of our parts. Mm. Um, the, the reverse is really how Jesus moved in the world, and that is to move toward mm-hmm. um, and unburden 
and heal the part. Jesus is a move toward kind of God. Jesus moved toward the lepers, moved toward the storm, moved toward the prostitutes, moved toward the cross and transformed everything. And that's really the essence of what we're doing in this work is we're bringing that move toward love and compassion to all parts of ourselves. So good. So good. That was like a super fast move right through all the, <laughs> and there's so much there to unpack. So, so I, I, um, I know a person that is a perfectionist <clears throat> and they're trying to understand their perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And of course we know that this can definitely be a part. Yes. Um, could you talk just kind of maybe using that? Cause I think so many people can relate to that you know how does that show up for people how do they maybe try to solve it Mm. themselves Mm -hmm. because you you probably see this all the time in your work like how would you start so somebody comes into your office how would you start unpacking that with them yeah i love that question and i can't personally relate to that at all i have no idea what you're talking about never I don't know anything about that. Yeah, is that why your is that why your book is so great? <laughs> <laughs> hypothetically, a friend of mine might struggle with that. <laughs> so hypothetically, um, uh, if I had some experience with that, which I do, um, let me give you a little backstory of of my own life experience and how that causes these parts to form and how that informs how they can heal. So I was born into um, a military family um, with some very strong personality um, with parents and very uh, lots of love and a very um, uh, kind of high standard of perfectionism. So Mm -hmm. everything, it really needs to be perfect and we're going to, if we're going to go to school, it needs to be the best school. If we're going to get a job, it needs to be the best job, all the things. Because you're the best. Because, yes. And when you're you're going to be the best. And when you're an only child, you really, really better be the best because Ah. they've only got one shot. (laughs) And um, so I really, and of course, all of that is just very lovingly, you know, offered up. And the message that I took away from that was that um, I'm not good enough. I had an exile that formed a young part of me that got, again, covered over with a blanket, mm-hmm. um, so to speak, using that mm-hmm. metaphor. And the the young part of me um, got covered over with this idea that I, I'm not good enough. You know, mm-hmm. I am not the very best of anything <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not perfect enough. And so um, my pretty good felt like a failure. So I developed this inner exile that lost access to its inherently positive quality, which is I am enough. Mm -hmm. And I got trapped under this belief and feeling and emotion that I am not enough. Mm -hmm. And that's super painful. If you've ever had that experience and when this part of me gets triggered, it's just like the cloud covers the sun. My calm, clear-minded, compassionate, you know, curious self, totally I lose access to. And suddenly I feel like I am this exile. That's what happens when our parts flood us. I feel like I am not good enough. I feel the physical sensations of that part. I think yeah. the thoughts of that part. I feel That's the painful. feelings of yeah. that part. And it's awful. Yeah. 
And so other parts of me, of course, the solution to that is to bring that pain to the God image within me um, that mm -hmm. connects to the, the broader God outside of me mm -hmm. and find healing for it. But I didn't know how to do that. Nobody told me anything about that. Mm -hmm. um, so other parts of me looked around in panic and said, oh, we can't be having this. This feels awful. And they took on jobs that were not who they intrinsically were. So my do it well part that is naturally designed with a desire to do things well, mm -hmm. got a blanket thrown over it, mm -hmm. um, that is do it perfectly, mm -hmm. right? And there's a big difference there because yeah. do it well is I'll bring my best effort. And if I make a mistake, it's okay. It's not, it's not the end of the world, um, but I can try hard and bring you my best effort and release, release the outcome. When it got trapped under this burden of perfectionism, the job of the perfectionism is to stay in charge, to take me over and do everything perfectly so that this exile of I'm not enough doesn't get triggered. Mm -hmm. So notice now I have no access to the God image inside of me because my perfectionism part feels like it has to be running the show. Yeah. It's, it's running my life all the time. And the problem for all of our burdened parts is they are trying to help and they're always making it worse and that's true whether it's a firefighter that's cutting or sleeping with prostitutes or doing meth or whether it's a manager that is volunteering for vbs out of a burdened trying to do it right or doing things perfectly they look very different mm -hmm. but they're really trying to help and they always make it worse We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So, you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. It, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a Q&A and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, we have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right. Back to the interview. Wow. So my perfectionist will try and try and try and try and try and get very exhausted. And at some point I won't do it perfectly. Right. And when that happens... My exile floods. I get totally overwhelmed with this. Oh my gosh, I made a mistake. I really am a failure. I really am not good enough. And then of course my firefighters have to jump in, right? Because I'm in pain and they're like, Hey, we can't be having that. And so my firefighter will jump in and my particular firefighter is get small. Mm. So mm. just disappear, like stop talking, get small close down, you know, um, just kind of cave in. And if no one can see you, they can't see how not good enough you are. Mm. That's my particular firefighter. And so after a while, that firefighter will calm down again. And now the perfectionist will take over again. And we wind up chasing these three, just chase each other around and around in a circle. And every time they go around that circle, there's more pain. Mm. 
and they get more entrenched in their behavior. So usually when someone like me shows up and says, oh my goodness, I need to stop with this perfectionism, mm -hmm. um, we have strategies to kind of make it stop or kick out the perfectionism or you know, get, it, get in control of it. And the beauty of my faith tradition and the beauty of IFS is that we seek to get in relationship, not to get in control. Mm. That the healing comes from the connection, not the control. Mm. And so notice when we try to control these burdened parts, I should stop being a perfectionist. I should stop looking at porn. I should quit cutting. I should, you know, um, go on a diet. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work. It most of the time makes it worse. It shames. Because yes, and now of course the pain of the exiles is what's driving the behavior in the first place. So we've actually just made more reason for the part to have to work harder. Mm. And in fact, just like when Jesus came to earth and said, hey people, hating on these people who aren't doing it right is actually not the solution. The solution is to love them. Mm. Same thing inside of us. The solution is from an IFS perspective, and I believe from a gospel perspective, to bring the love of the divine to these hurting parts. Mm -hmm. And so I, that is how we do this trauma healing work in therapy, is we welcome these parts we're not ever saying what they're doing is good. It's not okay, mm -hmm. but their heart is good. And we witness them and help them to unburden out of the relationship connection, the healthy attachment to the divine, the God image within us. Yeah. And when those parts can, what we call unburden or the God image removes the blanket off of the top of them, mm -hmm. they're, they, are able now to access once again their inherently positive quality yeah uh -huh. so it's a moving toward rather than a moving against mm -hmm. and that is a game changer because yeah. most of how we try to control our behavior the parts of us ourselves and the parts of others that we don't like is to move against it and you don't have to look too far within our own selves or our own relationships, or quite honestly, our own political system, or world geo geopolitical uh, experiences to realize that moving against makes everything worse. Yeah. And the wildly counterintuitive solution is to move toward. And it turns out it's exactly the same thing Jesus said, and it didn't make the Pharisees very happy. Right. Because when your strategy is move against the bad stuff mm -hmm. and only do it perfectly, yeah. move toward is going to rock your world. And so again, good. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you know, go ahead. Yeah, you're yeah. passionate about it, obviously. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, just just with the caveat again, um, that it what we're not saying is that the, the feelings or the behaviors are good or okay. They're not. We're not saying, hey, anything goes. That's not it. But what we are yeah. saying is the most effective way to heal is to love. Yeah. 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 You know, it's really interesting. Um, reflecting back uh, years ago, um, you know, we all know as Christians we're supposed to pray. <laughs> and you hear that in sermons and, you know, you have to have a personal relationship with God. And, you know, 
as being a young kid, it wasn't super interesting for me to, you know, have a prayer life just because I didn't have a great, I didn't have a personal relationship with God, so to speak. And so after a while, I developed the shame of, hey, you don't have a relationship with God. Like, you know, you don't really love God. And so I had this barrier to praying because now I had these parts involved as saying, you're not enough. You're not praying. And so shame always separates. It always isolates. It always pushes you away. So when I showed up for prayer, it was this duty, but also this kind of like, I'm here again. And this, so it wasn't a, I wasn't, yeah, Yeah. I'm not measuring up. I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. But when I finally moved toward that and said, wait, hold on. We're talking about a relationship, not a, you know, not, not some sort of thing I have to do because, Mm -hmm. You know, this is a, you know, it's not like, it's not a painful thing to do. It's, yeah. it's a wonderful thing. It's like, I don't, I don't uh, fear connecting with my wife, even if it's been a day or two, I, I look forward to that. Mm-hmm. And so shifting that perspective and moving toward it rather than trying to control my way into it made all the difference mm-hmm. yes. for me. Yes. And oh, so, well, yeah. If people can get that, yeah. yeah. If people can get that moving toward it and trying to understand it yeah. mm-hmm. and loving it like Jesus rather than pointing your finger of mm. you're not enough because you're not measuring up, mm-hmm. they can really see this transformation you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What would you say, Jenna, to the person who says, okay, I can see trying to find the good part underneath the you know the burdened issue of perfectionism or the burdened issue of you know not praying um but maybe the person who says i have a hard time seeing what is the good part underneath the um you know the chase after pornography uh addiction um maybe someone who is involved in domestic violence there can't there can't be anything good there yeah so they're like man the answer is flee youthful lusts and just, you know, just stop it. Flee stop temptation. It. Stop it. How, yes. how do you kind of coach that person along to finding what is that good underneath? How can I move toward that and not away from it? Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful question. And I think it's an important one because um, it's in my experience, we kind of have a scale and we have the okay sins, quote unquote, and the not okay sins. So like my perfectionism and my coveting my neighbor's nice house, like that's an okay sin. (laughs) But like killing my neighbor, that one, no, that's That's a bad sin. You know, we've got the okay sins and the not, you know. And um, we sort of divide these into like, oh, well, I can move toward that. But holy moly, not that. And I get it because the consequences of these parts are not the same. Yeah. The consequences of uh, being a perfectionist are not at all the same as the consequences of cheating right. on a spouse. Yeah. And I think that's really important. We So there's two things. Just because all parts are well-intentioned and good underneath the blankets that have they've taken on, does not mean that what they're doing or feeling is good or okay. And it doesn't mean the consequences of all of those are the same. They're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the ones that tend to be the hardest to see the good for most people are the ones that have the highest consequences. So yeah, that makes homicide, sense. suicide, cutting, um, cheating, 
the the kind addictions, of addictions. Yeah. Yeah, addictions, absolutely. And of course, those are all the ones that come into my office. Yeah. And why I love what I do so much is because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is not just an intellectual knowing. I know in my gut I've been doing this for so long I've never met a part and I don't believe they exist that is not a positive good part. But I've certainly met a lot of parts of a lot of people, myself included, that are carrying very damaging blankets or burdens yeah. of sin or trauma. Mm. And what we can know, and I can give you just some some examples. Um, let's say, because I work a lot with affair recovery and betrayal yeah. trauma and sexual yeah. addiction. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, because it's just so prevalent in our it culture. Is. And I, totally. And what what is very typical, this is certainly not every experience, but many, many clients come in and what's happened is there is an exile or more than one exiles that have emerged from some type of attachment trauma. So there was maybe abuse or neglect or um, divorce uh, or uh, parents were physically present but had impossibly high standards or um, were were just emotionally completely absent. You know, there was no um, no emotional connection even though there were parents in the home and food and, you know, all the needs were provided for. There's mm -hmm. a variety of ways that we can develop these attachment traumas yeah. that create exiles inside of us. Mm -hmm. And those exiles wind up carrying things like um, something's wrong with me. Like if dad left, I must be bad. Or mm -hmm. if mom is, you know, sober and is a good mom and then mom's drinking and is a scary mom, it must be my fault. Mm. Um, something's wrong with me. I'm bad. And so there's this break in the God-given need, need for attachment. And what happens is often um, uh, one of the two earliest ways that young ones can cope when things are out of control in the home or they're not getting their needs met, well, your body is right there. Mm. So pleasurable touching of the body or stumbling across pornography yeah. um, creates this immediate self-soothing, like this discovery of, oh, this helps me feel better for a minute. And the yeah. brain will hardwire to that very quickly. Mm -hmm. When I'm hurting, I can do this. When I feel not good enough, I can do this. And then I feel chosen and good enough and desirable just for a split second. Um, so the body is one thing, which is why I think we see so much sexual acting out and food. Um, food is another one yeah. um, and dissociating is a third. And those are things that young ones can get access to, um, to escape or numb or soothe difficult situations. Now, mm -hmm. understanding it does not mean it's okay. So in other words, to betrayed spouses, just because this makes sense does not mean that it's a, it's a rationalization right. or it's right. okay. But this is often how that evolves. And so that self-soothing or desiring of connection um, emerges where we apart takes on the role um, gets covered with the blanket of repetitively seeking pornography or sexual acting out partners or whatever it might be to get mm -hmm. that short dopamine high that mimics true intimacy and connection for sure mm -hmm. and is highly highly addictive um, but another part has taken on a counter role to avoid the true intimacy of not of not getting too close 
um, to others, to emotionally connected, because that was scary and is triggering to the exile. So there's an emotional distance or a sexual kind of anorexia in the coupleship mm -hmm. and a sexual acting out outside of the coupleship, very common. It's polarized parts yep. that are trying to help in opposing ways and always making it worse. Mm -hmm. And so what I know is that if someone comes to my office and they have a part that's gotten stuck compulsively seeking pornography, that I can ask that part, you know, okay, where do you notice that in your body when it shows up? Oh, you know, my heart starts racing, whatever it might be. Great. Let's just welcome that. Can you ask that part what it wants you to know about itself? When did it first learn how to try to help you by looking at pornography? That's well, the golden usually, question right there. Yeah, yeah. Usually memories are going to come up from an earlier time in life when that yeah the first time that created some soothing and mm -hmm. this part got stuck in that role. And then we can ask the part, what are you afraid would happen if you didn't take me over and make me look at porn? And typically the part is going to give us a sense, obviously we're not hearing voices or anything, but it'll give us the sense of, well, then I'm afraid you'd really be all alone. Mm -hmm. And yeah. no one actually wants you or yeah. loves you. Mm -hmm. um, wow, that's a game changer in how yes. we view that part. What it's doing is not okay. It has major consequences. It's definitely harming the the very person who that individual deeply most wants to not hurt. Mm -hmm. And it has a very positive intent. It's gotten yeah. stuck and mm -hmm. we can help it get unstuck with compassion rather than control. And, learn, and teach that part turn toward healthy sources of connection rather than damaging sources yeah. of connection. Well, the beautiful thing is that we don't have to teach that part. Mm. That part intrinsically knows how okay. to connect intimately. It's underneath the blanket. So when that part unburdens, it spontaneously has access yes. to the ability to connect intimately. So the beauty of this is it is not like skill building mm. or I have to figure out how to do this right. It is, it's what we call in IFS a constraint release model. In other words, we are not trying to add something that's missing. Right. We are trying to release what's already there. So it's very much like the famous Michelangelo quote where somebody walked by, he's sculpting in the marble, and they said, hey, Mick, what you doing, buddy? And he said, um, I'm releasing the angel that's trapped in the marble. Mm -hmm. And it's the same idea. There is something inherently positive there. We're removing the trauma or the sin so that what uh -huh. is there can shine, can yes. be what it was designed to be. So we're not teaching these parts how to do what they were designed to do. We right. are freeing them to embody it. It's really quite beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So good. Last kind of uh, concept to throw at you here before we close the interview. Um, we can see the application to uh, maybe a couple who's working through the example you gave, uh, a breach yeah. in trust um, through pornography or some sort of sexual acting out. Um, what about the couple who maybe hasn't experienced a breach in trust like that, but just the everyday conflict that they go through? Maybe they find themselves just escalating quickly, not seeing the God image in each other. <laughs> How would you guide them um, and I know this would probably take a few sessions to kind of unpack, but how would you guide them just in, in a, a summary um, toward seeing that God image in each other? 
Uh, Carissa, I love that question. And I have a simple but not easy answer to that. Okay. <laughs> so what we know is that when we are in our God image, we will always feel calm, clear-minded, courageous, compassionate, all of these things mm -hmm. connected. When we're not feeling that, we are in a part. Mm. So we have a really quick check to determine, am I in my own God image? How am I feeling toward my spouse? If I'm not feeling calm, connected, whatever, um, then I'm not in my God image, I'm in a part. And similarly, we can sense when someone else is in a part because they will not be presenting as calm, curious, clear-minded, compassionate, connected. Mm -hmm. um, and so what, what universally happens with couples when we get in these repetitive cycles of conflict is that they are entering into the cycle of conflict from their parts. So a part takes them over, and of course it's trying to help and it always makes it worse. Mm -hmm. So it might be an angry part, or it might be a blaming part, or it might be a withdrawing part, or it might be a petulant part, or it might be a persuading part. Don't you see how hard this is for me? Mm -hmm. um, and what happens is our parts develop relationships with each other. So much so that if you've been married a little while, you can actually see your spouse walk through the door. <laughs> you know the expression on their face is not their <laughs> self, their God image. You know the part and your part jumps up and you're already, you've already had a conflict and nobody's even said a word. Yep. Our parts come into relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. And when we are in our God image, we can resolve literally any conflict. And I mean literally any conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. we, we have biggies that come into my office and we can resolve those and we can set and hold healthy boundaries from yeah. that God image place, yeah. but not from our parts, not from our burdened parts. Yeah. And um, so one skill, if I had to offer newly married couples, one skill that I wish I had had 30 years ago um, when I first got married was the ability to speak for our parts rather than from them mm. to speak on behalf of our parts from our god image which is a lot easier said than done rather than letting them take us over and speaking from them and so i'll give you an example of what that would sound like if a, a spouse was taken over by an angry part they might speak from it by saying, you stupid, low down, lily livered, son of a slithering snake. I can't believe what is the matter with you. Blah, 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 blah. You've never heard that before, right? I've never heard that before. No. And of course, in the partner that's on the other end of that angry part, they are likely to either get also an angry part up and then that's going to get pretty explosive pretty fast yes. or they're likely to get a withdraw and mm. shut down part mm. that comes up right in yeah. either event we now have a warring of the parts and no one has a god image on board yeah. notice the difference between that and speaking for an enraged part which would sound like this honey i need to let you know that a part of me feels enraged by the comment that I just heard you made, th mm -hmm. that I just heard you make. Um, it, this part of me receives that as insensitive and careless, and it really hits home with the part of me that feels like I don't matter to you. 
wow, that's a whole different ball of wax. Not only am I in my self-image speaking on behalf of those parts, speaking for them and representing them well, right? And in faith traditions, we call this being led by the spirit. Mm -hmm. In IFS, we call this being Mm self-led, right? It's same thing. It, don't let the word self throw you because self in a lot of faith traditions has a really negative connotation like right. fleshly or sinful. It's not that right. kind of self. It just means the God image. It's good. Um, and uh, self invites self and parts invite parts. Oh, yes. It's like a tuning fork. There's a resonance that is invitational. So if you've ever been with someone who is in self energy, who's in their God image, everything in you knows it and all of your parts relax and your self comes forward, Mm. right? Because it's invitational and you know it and people don't even have to say a word. There's literally an embodied experience and you don't even have to know the person very well. If you've ever been with someone who brings that kind of God image energy, you know, yeah. because A, it's rare, mm-hmm. and B, everything in you resonates safety. Mm-hmm. So good. But when people are in parts, we know it, even if what they're saying, like they, maybe they have a spiritualizer part up that sounds a lot like the God image and tries and is acting like the God image, you know, volunteering and serving on BBS and, you know, going on mission trips but it it's got judgment behind it it's got shaming your parts know it and you're going to get a part up that's guarded Mm -hmm. right we're we're likely to then start masking and hiding certain parts of ourselves and only showing up with the shiny ones that are going to be well received because Mm -hmm. our parts know it we can sense it Mm -hmm. there's not safety present Mm -hmm. and there's a very different experience of being of being in the presence of someone who's resonating and embodying that God image Mm. um, and, and someone who's in a part and we know it in our marriages, we know it in our relationships and um, it is invitational. So the most effective thing we can do to invite our partner to be in their God image is to be in our own God image. Mm. You heard it. It's wisdom. Yeah. Couples remember that. It's so helpful. I call it, you know, what what part of you is driving the bus? <laughs> and, yeah. and it's so helpful to speak out of your part. It's actually very liberating to to recognize, hey, this there is an angry part right now mm-hmm. in yeah. me that's trying to tell you off. <laughs> speak yeah. for that part. But here this other part I'm choosing to or I'm choosing to be present right now and mm-hmm. and talk through this with you. Yes. <laughs> so yes. helpful. Very, very helpful. This is something you have to practice though. This isn't something that just comes, I think. Yeah. You have to really focus. Thank you so much for all of this, all your wisdom and the time you spent um, with us today. Thank you. Uh, we want to ask you, where could people learn more about the system? Where could people learn more about you and what you do? Um, and maybe start, <laughs> tell us about a little bit about your book for just a second. Yes, <laughs> I'd love to. So my book is called All Together You, Experiencing Personal and Spiritual Transformation Through Internal Family Systems Therapy, which is a mouthful. So All Together <laughs> You is the main title. And um, that's available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And um, I actually, on my website, which is called movetoward.com, mm. 
you can find all kinds of additional information and free resources. I have cool. lots and lots of guided meditations for awesome. anything that you might be struggling with. Uh, everything from sex addiction to betrayal trauma to anxiety to depression. Nice. I have free meditations available that people are welcome mm. to take advantage of, as well as on Insight Timer, which is also free. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. I have a video workshop where I literally teach through the content of the book that people can do on demand. Oh, so that's available. And I've got links. So if you want to do this work yourself, I have the largest that I'm aware of Christian IFS therapist list um, in the world. As far as I know, it's a huge list and Mm -hmm. you can connect with a a Christian therapist who does this work in your area. That's Um, fantastic. And there's also links to the IFS Institute, which is where you can find all kinds of information on internal family systems. Um, I have book recommendations, lots and lots of podcasts. I've got one where I do a a webinar with the developer of the model, who's a mentor of mine and a dear friend. Very awesome. So yeah, there's lots of free resources there that I make available for people to enjoy. So movetoward.com and the book is Altogether You. And it has, I wanted the book to be really application oriented. So I wrote it as if we were sitting down in Starbucks together, having a latte, just, you know, kind of talking about this. And then each chapter has discussion questions, which are great for small groups Mm -hmm. um, and exercises that you can actually experience this yourself. So good. It's even great just for couples. So if if a couple is listening or if you're listening and you send this episode to your spouse for them to listen as well, and you guys just want to you know, get practical with this method, you can get the book. And then at the end of each chapter, there are those discussion questions that you guys can answer together. And I think it will really bring the two of you closer. Yes. And bring a lot of healing. So we'll link that in the show notes all together. You, you can grab the book on Amazon and then we'll also put the resources that Jenna just mentioned. So move toward.com and the Christian IFS therapist list. So thank you so much, Jenna. We're going to close out the episode and we're going to ask you the same question that we ask everyone when we close. And that is rewind back to your first couple years of marriage. You've been married. You said almost 30 years. Almost. 30 years. Wow. Hard to believe. So rewind (laughs) back a a few decades ago and ask yourself, what advice do I wish I would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Mm, I love that. Dear young married couple, please know that all parts of you are good and all parts of you are welcome. And you can resolve any conflict by speaking for your parts rather than from them from your inherently positive God image within you. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jenna. It's been an honor to have you on. It really has been. Thank you. Great to be with you both. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dearyoungmarriedcouple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.